John 1, 1 1-5 In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and darkness did not comprehend it. Good morning. We ask for God's blessing on the reading and the preaching of His Word this morning. Appreciate Daryl's songs this morning. Did a great job choosing them. I kind of would have liked to sung Summerland of Rest. And uh, Walking in Sunlight. I don't know any about Frozen Saints, but uh, thanks for coming out and being here. It's, it's just such an encouragement, and, and it's great to be together and to have this time in worship to fellowship and then later around lunch. Joe, can you leave your Bibles open to John? To John's Gospel. We'll be in John 6 to begin with this morning. There are some statements that John makes about himself, that Jesus makes about himself in John's Gospel that I would like for you to hear this morning and to think about. The first one is John, found in John chapter 6, verse 35. John chapter 6, verse 35. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. The next one is in chapter 8 and verse 12. John chapter 8 and verse 12. When Jesus spoke again to the people, He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows Me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The next one is found in John 10, verse 7 through 10. John 10, 7 through 10. Therefore Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate, whoever enters through me will be saved. And he will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. The fourth reading comes from John 10, this time verse 11 and verse 14. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Then John 11, verse 25 to 26. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies, and whoever lives and believes in me will never but die. Do you believe this? And then John 14 and verse 6. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. 
And then chapter 15, verse 1 and verse 5. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. And verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. We usually refer to these as the I am statements in John. There are several others that move in another direction than these seven. But this is part of how Jesus revealed himself, how he explained to people who he was and what he is about. When we hear these statements as Christians, when people who believe in Jesus and have obeyed his call to salvation hear the words, we hear some wonderful things about our Savior. We learn some wonderful things about our Savior. We hear about His love for us. We hear about the salvation He brings, the gift of eternal life, fellowship with Him, fellowship with the Father. We hear promises that we hold on to, promises that we cherish. We hear promises that we build our faith on. And we thank God for the gift of His Son and for the hope that we have in Him. And one purpose of the lesson this morning is simply to remind us of these things, of who Jesus is and what He revealed to us about Himself. But you know, not everybody who hears these words is a believer who has obeyed the Gospel. There may be somebody here this morning that falls into that category. If you're such a person, you're still on the outside looking in. Oh, we want you to know you're welcome. We're glad you're here. But while you come into the building and into our company, you still haven't come into Jesus' salvation. You still don't know in a personal way the reality of the things that Jesus talked about in these verses. Maybe you have some questions. Questions that you haven't gotten answers for yet. Maybe you're a bit skeptical. Maybe you're interested but not sure how involved you want to be. Those questions, and ones like them, are perfectly fine to ask. There's nothing wrong with those questions. There's nothing wrong with asking those kinds of questions because God loves seekers. God has always had a special place in His heart for the person who is trying to come to Him, who's trying to find their way to Him. And He wants to answer your questions. And we would like to help you answer your questions. And maybe we know some people that are not sitting here this morning that have some questions that they would like to have answered, and we would like to help them as well. Perhaps one that you might ask is, what if it's true that Jesus is who He says He is? Well, to help answer that, I want us to look at these I Am statements in John's Gospel. These particular claims that Jesus makes about Himself and what is the result of believing in Him. What if they are true? So to begin with, what if it's true that Jesus is the bread of life? John 6.35 There are two things in the background of Jesus' statement that He is the bread of life that help us understand what He is saying. First, Like so much of the world today, Galilee and Judea, the regions 
where Jesus lived were not places that the next meal or the next cup of water were certain. You couldn't count that there would be another meal in a day. You couldn't be sure that there was plenty of water. Crops failed. Droughts were common. There were Roman military forces that confiscated food and water and drink. Life was hard. And in John 6, Jesus has has fed the 5,000. He's gone back to Capernaum. And in Capernaum, he's suddenly surrounded by some of those people. Some of those that he fed on the eastern shore of Galilee. And they're so excited about seeing him. They, they really are glad that they finally found him. And you know, Jesus always sort of had a way of cutting through things to the truth. And he tells them straight to their face, well, you know, the only reason that you're trying to find me is that you want something more to eat. John chapter 6 and verse 26. But Jesus doesn't really rebuke them for that as much as he tells them that there is another kind of food that they really should be looking for. There is another kind of food that they need. He acknowledges their physical hunger. He didn't play down their suffering. But he points them to a deeper spiritual hunger, one that is gnawing at their souls, and one that he would really like to satisfy. Perhaps we have that same kind of hunger. Or perhaps we have friends who have that kind of hunger. Jesus wants them to know that he can satisfy that hunger. The second part of the background comes from a time centuries before this. When God brought his people out of the slavery of Egypt. God's plan was to take them to a land flowing with milk and honey. But sin got in the way, and they ended up spending 40 years wandering in the wilderness. And for those 40 years, God fed his people. He provided manna for them every day. But what he was trying to teach them, and what Jesus is trying to teach here, is that their lives don't depend and are not sustained by what you put in your mouth. They're not sustained by physical bread or manna. Jesus wants, as they needed to learn, Jesus wants them to know that what sustains us is Him. Or in the case of the Exodus wanderings, that it is God who feeds and God who sustains. And it is out of our relationship with God that that we are sustained. So when Jesus says, I am the bread of life, He is saying that He is the true food. The real food, the genuine food, the spiritual food, and that He alone can satisfy our hunger. He and He alone is the food that endures for eternal life. Look at chapter 6, verse 47 to 51, and see Jesus' promise concerning those who consume this bread that He's offering. I tell you the truth, he who believes in me will have everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your forefathers ate manna in the desert, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which a man may eat and not die. 
I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If a man eats this bread, he will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. The food and drink Jesus offers means that we can remain in fellowship with Him if we eat it. It means that we can remain in fellowship with Him and God forever. So if it's true that Jesus is the bread of life, our deepest hunger, our deepest thirst will be satisfied. Not for a day, not for a week, but forever. That's what Jesus is meaning when he says he is the bread of life. But what if it's true that Jesus is the light of the world? Chapter 8 and verse 12. Jesus says these words on a holiday, on a special day. He speaks these words in Jerusalem at the temple during the Feast of Tabernacles, which was a joyous celebration, a happy festival on the Jewish calendar. And during the Feast of Tabernacles, four large lamps were placed on tall stands in the temple. And worshipers would come to the temple with empty lamps. And they would get oil from these four great lamps, and then they would light their lamps. And together, during the worship service, they would hold those lamps out, hold them up. And the reason was that those lights commemorated, reminded them of the light of the pillar of fire that led Israel in the wilderness those 40 years. It was a way of reminding themselves that it was the light of God who led them. But Jesus stands at the temple on this holy day, on this special day, on this festive day, And he declares, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Jesus is saying to those people, the light of those lamps won't keep you from stumbling in the darkness. The light of all of those lamps will not give you the light of life. But He is the light that can do those things. He is promising to lead us out of darkness. He is promising to lead us out of the darkness and into the light of life with God. So if it's true that Jesus is the light of the world, your days of stumbling and falling are over. The days of not really knowing where you're going or what the purpose of life is is nearly over. Your journey through the dark night of sin can end in the bright, warm light of God's love because Jesus will lead you into the light of salvation and eternal life. What if it's true that Jesus is the gate of the sheep? What if it's true that He's the Good Shepherd? John 10, 7-10, John 10, 11, and 14. Shepherds in Jesus' day, as shepherds still do today, wandered over the land looking for good grass and abundant water for their flocks. But when night fell, they would bring their sheep to a walled enclosure so that they might be safe. They might have shared them with another flock. And then at first light, the shepherd would call his sheep and the sheep would come out of the fold and go with him for another day of wandering looking for grass and water. So to pass through the gate into the fold, 
meant safety. And it meant security for the sheep. It meant that they were saved from predators. Jesus promises that He is the gate through which His sheep can pass to safety and security and salvation. We can come in and we can go out and we can find pasture. We can have life and we can have it to the full. And Jesus says, that is the whole purpose of my coming. That is why I am here. He is also the good shepherd. He knows his sheep and they know him. They trust him and they rely on his care. They trust him to protect and to provide. And again, Jesus assures us that he knows his sheep. He knows them by name. He knows you by name. You're not a stranger to Jesus. And not only does he offer food and drink and protection, he offers fellowships to those who follow him in faith and obedience. And more than that, and, and most importantly of all, as a good shepherd, he willingly lays down his life for the sheep. He will go to the cross for us. He will die on the cross for our sins. Jesus is the gate because he brings us to the Father. He is the good shepherd because he cares for us. He even deals with our sins and gives us life. If it is true that he is these things, then fellowship with God can be yours. Salvation can be yours. Jesus will save you from the predator Satan, who is described as a lion seeking whom he can devour. He will bring you safe into the safety of God's love, into the shelter of God's mercy. If Jesus is who he says he is, you can have life and have it more abundantly. What if it's true that Jesus is the resurrection and the life? Chapter 11, verse 25 to 26. Jesus had a friend named Lazarus. And Lazarus fell ill and he died. Jesus arrived at his friend's home four days after he had been buried. Lazarus left behind two loving sisters, Martha and Mary, who were also friends of Jesus. Jesus comforted them and he assured them, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Jesus asked Martha, do you believe this? And she makes one of the most wonderful confessions in all of the Gospels, in all of the New Testament. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into the world. So they go together with Mary to Lazarus' tombs, tomb. And they stand out outside the tomb and Jesus stands there and weeps for his friend. But then he makes an unusual request or gives an unusual command that might be better, remove the stone from the tomb. And you know, if you can see that in your mind, you can also see Martha, almost see Martha and Mary turning green around the face. He's been there four days. There'll be an odor. Jesus says, remove the stone. And the stone is moved and Jesus gives a command, Lazarus, come forth. And moments later, Lazarus, walks out of the tomb. He who is the resurrection and the life called Lazarus from death, called him back to life, and Lazarus obeyed. 
He could not refuse Jesus' command. Well, God wants to give us eternal life. Not just life that lasts forever, but life of fellowship with Him forever. And Jesus is promising that for those of us who believe in Him, He has the power to open the door for us to eternal life. He can open the door of death and call us to come forth because He is the resurrection and He is the life. He is the very life of God. And He will give us the full measure of life if we give ourselves to Him in faith and obedience. So when all of the exercise is done, and all the miles have been walked or run, when all the jars of wrinkled cream are empty, when we've taken the last vitamin and the last facelift fades, we still have to deal with death and judgment. But if it is true that Jesus is who he says he is, if he is the resurrection and the life, then we can have life that physical aging and physical death cannot touch, cannot take away from us. Because through Him we have eternal life if He is who He says He is. What if it's true that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life? Chapter 14 and verse 6. When we come to chapter 14, the cross is just hours away. The end of Jesus' earthly ministry and life is coming quickly. Soon He is going to begin the journey through His suffering and and through His death and through His resurrection and then His return to the Father. And when He returns to the Father, He says, I'm going to prepare a place for you because I want you to be with me. I want you to be where I am and I will come again to get you. And He assures the disciples that they already know the way to the place He is going. But good old Thomas, doubting Thomas, we call him, isn't so sure. Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus answers, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus' destination is home with his Father. And he wants the disciples, he wants all of his disciples to come home to be with Him and to be with His Father. And there is only one way to get there. Jesus Himself is that way because He reveals the truth to us about ourselves. He reveals the truth to us about God and about how we can have fellowship with God. He is the life because He gives salvation. He calls us from death. The forgiveness of sins that we need to live and to have fellowship with God is His gift to us. Without life, without truth, that is Jesus, we have no way to the Father. We have no way to eternal life. So if Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, if all of that is true, then Jesus is the only way home. He is the only way to eternal life. He is our way home to God now and forever. And as we've heard from the beginning, Jesus wants to give us that eternity, that eternal life. So what if it's true that Jesus is the true vine? His Father is the gardener. What if it's true that He is the vine and we are the branches? Chapter 15, verse 1 and verse 5. 
throughout his dealings with the people, with his people Israel, God often referred to them as the vine. You can see that in Isaiah chapter 5, I believe. A vine that he planted, a vine that he nurtured, that he watered, that he cared for, that he loved. And he did all of those things so that the vine, so that his people would produce fruit. But sadly, his people very seldom produced the fruit that God wanted them to produce. They were not faithful to him. And they did not keep covenant with them. They didn't bear the fruit of righteousness. And in the end, God pulled them up like a weed and threw them away. Now Jesus says, I am the true vine. As Jesus says in the gospel, he came to do God's will and he always did God's will. He always did what God said. He always said what God said for him to do. He completes the work that his father gives him, even when that work takes him to the cross. So in other words, Jesus, unlike Israel, bore fruit for God. In the vine, we are the branches. And Jesus gives warning that branches that do not produce fruit, God will cut off because he is the gardener. But if we bear fruit, he says he's going to prune us, he's going to trim us so that we can produce even more fruit for God. Just as leaves and fruit draw their life from the vine, we draw our life from Jesus. And that life makes it possible for us to grow fruit for God. It brings forth in us the fruit of faith and righteousness, of love, of helping others become Christians. Abiding in Jesus, remaining in the vine, assures us that our lives will have purpose and meaning. Because through Jesus, we will serve God and we will give him glory. So what if it's true that Jesus is the true vine and we are the branches? It means that we can have intimate fellowship with Jesus and with God. And we can live lives that are full of meaning and purpose. And we can have eternal life. So what if Jesus is who he said he is? Who he said he was? Bread of life. Light of the world the gate for the sheep, the good shepherd, the resurrection and the life, the way, the, tr- the way, the truth and the life, the true vine. It means that God loves us. It means that he wants to save us. He wants us to be full and satisfied with him. He wants us to walk in the light with him. He wants to give us life that is full of purpose and meaning, bearing fruit from him. If it's true that Jesus is who he says he is, we have everything to gain. We have everything to gain and nothing to lose. Nothing to lose except for our hunger and our darkness and our emptiness and our aloneness and our sin and our death and our eternal death. That's what we will lose. if Jesus is who he says he is. And isn't that enough to give ourselves to Jesus in faith and obedience, to taste his goodness, to receive his love, to be blessed by his mercy? Because you see, Jesus is indeed who he said he was. And because he is, we can set aside our questions and doubts and we can come to him in faith and obedience and receive the life that he would have us 
that he would give us. Will you think about your relationship with Christ this morning? We think about who Jesus is. Maybe you're already a Christian and you've been reminded of who Jesus is and, and what Jesus intends for you. Maybe there's a place in your life for recommitting yourself or, or renewing yourself, asking God to renew you by forgiving your sins and, and drawing you close. Or if you're here this morning and you're still an outsider and you haven't received salvation, you haven't come to faith and obedience in this person, Jesus, that we've talked about. We invite you to come. Ask your questions. We'll help with them. And we'll do everything we can to help you become a Christian, to gain all of these gifts, the salvation that Jesus would give you. If we can be of service in any way, please come while we stand and sing.